Thank you, Lisa, for reading for us. And uh, keep Psalm 30 open in front of you. So the plan through the summertime is just going through some psalms and then we'll jump back into Matthew's Gospel from February 4th. That's kind of when our, our ministry year kicks off more formally. But we're looking at the psalms and, and various psalms uh, through the January period. So keep Psalm 30 there. Let me pray again uh, that we might just, again, put all the thoughts of our world outside of our minds and listen to our God. Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, help us this morning to understand your word. Help us as we come to Psalm 30 to understand what it is you want to teach us, uh, what it is you want us to do and to know in light of the great God you are. Please help us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, how, do you, how do you go at praising God? Because we, we often talk about uh, daily prayer. You know, how's your daily prayer going? We often talk about daily Bible reading. How's your Bible reading going? But how often do we talk about daily praise? Just, just think about that for yourself for a moment. How do you go at praising God? And on one level, it's, it's an easy question uh, to answer on a Sunday because we've already sung the praises of God. We're here, so obviously we, we want to praise God. Uh, we'll sing again before the service end. But how do you go at praising God when it comes to Sunday afternoon? And how do you go at praising God when it comes to Monday morning? Or what about when you get to Wednesday, the middle of the week, and uh, the, the week's well on its way, all the stresses of the week are building up, and the week's almost over, and you've got stuff to do. How do you go at praising God then? Or when is the last time that you heard or you yourself said to someone in conversation, praise God? So when's the last time that you heard that or did that yourself? So someone shares some good news uh, or they, they, they share a mercy of God. And how, how have you gone in that moment when someone shared some good news or, or shared a mercy of God? And, and have, you, have you said, well, praise God? Or have they said that? Do you hear that? So it's a really interesting question, I think, particularly for us as Australians. We don't often like giving praise to anyone. And there's some good about that. You know, we often take great pride in the sarcastic comment, uh, the witty remark, the, the kind of friendly, humorous sledge. That's the very Aussie thing to do. Uh, often we feel quite awkward when people praise us. We don't quite know what to say because we're just not those sorts of people. But if you were to do a simple word search of the word praise in the Bible, you would see the Bible is full of praise it just comes up over and over again and there's no better place to see that than in the psalms the word praise if you do a word search comes up around 200 times just in the psalms praise god for his word praise for his mercy praise for his grace praise for his creation praise for his creation of us that he actually made us praise for his sustaining of all things because all things would fall over if god didn't sustain them Praise for his faithfulness because his people, like us, are often so unfaithful. You can barely read a stanza of any psalm without hearing praise to God for something that God said, something that he's done, uh, something that he just simply is as God. So I just want to ask as we begin this year, how do you go at praising God? How is your daily praise of our wonderful Creator? And Psalm 30, it's a great place to go to help us with our question. Uh, again, it's the beginning of the year, so excuse me for getting all kind of philosophical and existential on you, but, but why do you think you exist? If God made you, if he's created, if he created you, why do you think God made you? Why do you think he created you? The Bible tells us one of the primary reasons that God created you is for you to praise him. 
It's part of your purpose. And part of the warning of Psalm 30, as we'll see, is when we're not praising God, more often than not, the reason we're not praising God is because we're far too busy praising ourselves. We've deceived ourselves into thinking that the reason our life is the way it is is because of my great effort, because of our great effort. It's actually the great deception of humanity, particularly for us in the West. Because we think that the reason we live where we live, and we think the reason we have the wealth that we have and the health that we have and the skills that we have, it's all because of me. It's all because of, of us, of our, our, own, our own efforts. But once we remember that our very first breath was a gift from God, and then every single breath we take after that is a continued gift of God, then we remember that every breath deserves to be spent praising that God. So let's have a look at Psalm 30. Make sure you're there now. Keep it in front of you. And as you look at it, remember the titles of the psalm. They're not, uh, they're not there in the original. So the Old Testament, uh, written in Hebrew mostly. Uh, the titles there, that's the Bible translators have put them there. I think for this one, it's Joy in the Morning or something like that. You might have there as a title. That's not original. That's been put in. But the subtitle, the little bit after that, under that, uh, on Psalm 30 there, that's part of the original. Uh, that was written there uh, thousands of years ago originally. And it tells us that Psalm 30 is a psalm of David, uh, a psalm of King David, and it's a psalm of dedication for the house, which is probably referring to the temple or the, the tent, the sanctuary of that time. Uh, that's what this psalm is. But it doesn't tell us much more than that, which means as we read this psalm, we don't know exactly what situation David is referring to. So just look at verse 1. Have a look at verse 1. Uh, verse 1, David here exalts God for not allowing his enemies to triumph over him. But we don't know who those enemies are. We, we, we don't get told. Or look at verse 2. Verse 2 speaks of David crying out for God's help for healing. And then God heals him. But we don't know what he's healed from. We don't know what kind of sickness he has. What was wrong with him? Uh, so we don't know the exact situation. But whatever it was... It was not good. Uh, David, in this psalm, whatever his situation was, he was as good as dead. So have a, see, have a look at verse 3. We see that in verse 3. See, verse 3, God brought David up from Sheol. Uh, he spared him, verse 3, from the pit. And Sheol and the pit in the Old Testament, that's the place of the dead. That's basically to be on your deathbed or to be dead. And so as we come to this psalm, we need to imagine with this psalm that David has one foot firmly in the grave. It's that prognosis you get from the doctor where the doctor says, it's terminal. You won't recover. You only have so long. That, that's the situation here. It's whatever it is for David, it's, it's serious. And on top of that, you can imagine David's enemies here rejoicing at the prognosis so he has these enemies around him who uh, perhaps are from surrounding nations because David was a conquering king. Maybe those around the nations uh, around Israel at the time, they hated David, they hated God, Yahweh, so maybe they're the enemies. Or the enemies could be within Israel, so others wanted to be king instead of King David, so they could be the enemies, it could be from within. Again, we're not told. But the background of this psalm for King David was serious. He, he was as good as dead. That's the situation. But verse 1 again, go back to verse 1. David exalts God. And he, he praises God. Because God healed him. Because 
he didn't die and his enemies were not allowed to triumph over him. And so what David does in a psalm is he then invites other people to praise God as well. So look at verse 4. See what verse 4 does? David calls upon the people. Verse 4, he says, Sing to Yahweh, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. And wouldn't you do the same? You know, if you imagine yourself in King David's situation, uh, David was on his deathbed, and then he cries out to God, and then God miraculously heals him. So wouldn't you kind of go around just, just telling everyone, saying, how great is God? God spared me. God saved me. Look what he did for me. He rescued me. You'd call your folks. You'd call your brothers and your sisters and your friends, and you'd call your you know, third cousin in Broken Hill or Shanghai or Nigeria or Delhi or whatever. You'd, you'd tell everyone, invite them to praise this God with you who'd saved you. But it's with verse 5 that the psalm becomes rather interesting. Because look at verse 5. You see, why does David call upon the people to praise God in verse 5? What's the reason? It's not what you think. See, praise God. Why? Verse 5. Because for God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. It's, it's, I think it's a pretty, pretty reasonable question. Why, why does David speak of God's anger at this point? And why does he speak of God's favor? Because David doesn't say here, he doesn't say, hey, praise God, you people, praise God, because look at how God saved me. That's not what he says. He, David says, you faithful ones, praise God. Why? Because his anger lasts only a moment. And his favor lasts a lifetime so why mention anger why, why mention favor well the answer is in verse 6 and 7 have a look at there and here we learn of david's self-confidence look from verse 6 when i david was secure i said i will never be shaken lord when you showed your favor you made me stand like a strong mountain when you hid your face i was terrified and so what we see is that David, he got caught up in his own self-confidence. Because do you see how many times David says, I, in verse 6? Look at verse 6. Look what he says. He says, when I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Because David's heart had got to this place where he thought all that was good in his life was because of him. He stood as a king, literally. He, he, he was successful. Uh, all, all the good things of life that happened to David, and there were lots of good things. As a young man, David was by King Saul's side, even though David was just some shepherd boy. Uh, as, as David grew, he became this, this warrior. Again, if you remember the stories from 1 Samuel, he was a great warrior. All the women would sing about David. Do you remember the song, 1 Samuel? They, they would sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands... All the women would sing praises about David. And then when David became king, he won battle after battle after battle. And he built this great palace for himself. And Israel in that time prospered. He became a great nation under King David. And at some point in all that, David thought to himself, Well, wow, isn't life great? Isn't my life as king so secure? Who, who can beat me? I'm so good. I will never be shaken. 
Look at all that I've done for myself. But the point of the psalm is, it was never because of I, David. It was from God. It was only because of God's favor that David stood like a strong mountain. And isn't this just a little bit of a warning for us? For us as Christians when life is going well. And life, life isn't always going well, but when it, when it is going well, we might be tempted to think, wow, haven't I done well for myself? You know, look at all that I've accomplished. Look how good my life is. Look what I've done. You know, look, look at the marks that I got in my exams. Uh, look at the job that I secured for myself. How clever. Look at the house I provided for my family. Aren't I able to do all this stuff? Look at how fit and healthy I am. Look at how good things are. Haven't I done well for myself? You see, the answer is no. No. We've just, we, we really need to humble ourselves sometimes with these, with these psalms. That any of us have the breath of life at all is a kindness of God. That any of us were born in a country where we would even have such things as exams. You might hate exams. I think most people don't like exams. But having exams is because we were born in a, in a country that gives education. That's a mercy of God. That you have the privilege, and again, I think we forget this, that you have the privilege to work... And to be paid for your work is only because God spared you slavery. The fact that we can even choose what kind of jobs that we want to have is incredible. That you have money for a house to, to buy one or even to rent one is due to the abilities that God has given you. That you are fit and healthy is a precious gift from God in a world constantly affected by sin and sickness and death. You see, when we remember those things, that all is from God, then there's only one thing that we need to do when things are going well. And that is praise God. Thank Him. How's your daily praise going? Because we, we deserve none of it. Uh, don't ever think otherwise. Because that's, that's a deception of Satan, to think that any of us deserve what we have. We don't. We deserve none of it. And that's not to say that when things aren't going well, that then we shouldn't praise God. Not at all. Actually, the greatest of praise comes to God from the lips of suffering saints. When life's hard, when there's sickness, when there's suffering, when there's weakness, and yet they praise God, that brings God so much glory. Because they praise God, not because of their circumstances, but because of who God is. But when things are good... That's when we're prone to become proud. That's when we often deceive ourselves and, and think that all's well because of me. And then we get distracted by the things of the world and we forget God altogether. And hey, it's all good because of all my efforts. You see, in this psalm, David had become much too proud. He'd become much too confident in himself. And you see that in verse 11. So just look at the end of the psalm in verse 11. You see, in verse 11, David was lamenting. He'd put on sackcloth and uh, lament in the Bible and the putting on a sackcloth. Just imagine a massive potato bag. That's kind of putting on sackcloth. That's kind of the image. That's what it looked like. Uh, to, to, to lament and put on sackcloth, they're signs of repentance. 
And so in this psalm, you've got this movement from David being proud and overconfident and thinking, look what I've done. I would never be shaken. And then what God does is he brings suffering upon him. And he brings a situation upon him that humbles David, that God does out of his right anger towards David for his pride. And then David realizes and then he laments and he repents. And then he cries out to God for help. Because what else could David do in that moment? What else could David do when he realized his own efforts to save himself were useless? Uh, there's a, uh, a gentleman I know who's 96, and a few years ago he um, got very sick, almost died, not a Christian. I spent a bit of time with him uh, over the couple of months as, as he was quite sick, praying with him, reading the Bible with him. Uh, he prayed a prayer of forgiveness. He repented. He was, he's a self-made man. He's done very well with it for himself in life, very wealthy man, entrepreneurial, 10-pound palm that made lots of money. And at that moment... He, he, wanted, he wanted forgiveness. He, he wanted to come to God. And yet as soon as he got better, at the moment he's kind of forgot about Jesus. And he doesn't really follow God. You see, David in his moment of despair, as most of us do, we turn to God. We realize that we have nothing. That no matter what wealth you have, all that you've got, that moment when you're as good as dead, when you have one foot in the grave, you can do nothing. And so in that situation, we get the center of this psalm in verse 8 and 10. This is point three now, David's petition to God. And look at what David does when he realizes just how utterly dependent he is on God. Just, just notice, notice his appeal to God in verses 8 to 10. Notice the reason why God should spare David and not let him die. Look at verse, look at verse, uh, from verse 8. So it says this, Lord, I, David, called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will let the dust proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. If you look at those verses again, aren't they quite interesting? Because what, what reason does David give to God to spare him? He doesn't want to die. He says, God, please spare me, rescue me. And he doesn't say, hey, God, think of all the good stuff I can do for you, that you can use me for, God. David doesn't say, hey, hey, God, spare me and imagine how much you could use me to prosper Israel so that your name might be great amongst the nations. He doesn't say that. Or to put it in our modern day language, he doesn't say, hey, God, save my life and spare me because imagine the great lawyer I could become uh, for the cause of justice. Or the doctor you could make me to cure the sick. Or the good I could do in serving the poor. He doesn't say, Father, God, spare me because of the father I need to be to my kids. Or the child to my aging parents. Or the friend to that time of need. David doesn't say any of those things as to why God could spare him. They're all good things. All godly things. But David says none of that. He says, if you look again at verse 8 to 10, he says, Spare my death. Because if I die and go down to the pit, how can I praise you? If I turn to dust, which is what will happen to all of our mortal bodies, if we die before Jesus comes back, we turn to dust, how will the dust praise you? You see, when David was humbled by God, he remembered why he exists. God gave him life and breath and everything else to praise him. 
You see that again in verse 11 and 12. Look again at the end of the psalm. Verse 11, you turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Why? So that, verse 12, so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. See, this is a psalm of David reminding himself. David writes this psalm almost to remind himself and the rest of God's people in the Old Testament that actually he, we, all of us exist to praise God. It's a psalm that tells of God's saving of David so that David might continue to praise. And so I want to finish with two reflections for us today, and both of them are under the heading of saved to praise. And my first reflection is the most important, and it leads to the second. But the first reflection is this. It's, it's right for David in this psalm to praise God. He, he was as good as dead. He petitioned for God's favor that God might spare him, and God did, and he saved him. And so it's only right for David to praise God because God saved him. But I just want us to understand how much more for us to praise God. So you have a look at Ephesians chapter 2. It's up on the screen. Look at what this says about us. This is our situation before Jesus. It says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And there it's talking about the work of Satan. But you see what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is saying. It's saying, you, me, all of us, we were dead. You're born dead. That sounds counterintuitive, but we are. We're born dead. We're born dead in trespasses and sin. And it doesn't say you were as good as dead. It says, like David was, you know, physically ill, almost leading to physical death. It says, no, no, the New Testament tells us every single human being is by default born dead. In trespass and sin. And the death being referred to there, it's not simply physical death. It's spiritual death. It's eternal death that leads to eternal judgment. And so my first reflection for us is this. If David praised God for saving him from temporal illness, from physical death, how much more should we praise God for Jesus, for the one who has saved us from eternal death and everlasting death. You see, God's favor to you in Jesus means you are no longer dead in sin and trespasses. And again, I, I just I, I think we get used to this idea and it, it softens over time, but just to be offensive to kick off the year, do you realize that all of us were heading for what the Bible calls hell? That's what we're heading for. That's where we were going, all of us, before Jesus. And the death that we've been spared from, is, is, it's spiritual death. It's, it's Sheol, no. The pit, no. David feared physical death, but forget that. This is spiritual death, eternal. And we've got to be careful because it, it becomes so ordinary to us. We don't talk about hell. It's not PC and all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you've got a spare hour or so on a gloomy, uh, rainy night... Go and read Jonathan Edwards' sermon. It's titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. 
Uh, it was written in 1741, so a uh, long time before the politically correct statements of our day. Uh, so it's very confronting. Uh, but here's a snippet, and they told it very straight in those days, 1741. But in speaking of eternal hell, Jonathan Edwards says this. It's up on the screen. He wrote like this. He said, It would be dreadful to suffer the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God one moment. But you, if you go to hell, must suffer it to all eternity. There will be no end to this horrible misery. When you look forward, you shall see only a long forever, a boundless duration before you. And when so many ages have spent, have been spent by you in this manner, again, the idea of in hell, you will know that all is but a point to what remains, so that your punishment will indeed be infinite. How dreadful is the state of those that are daily and hourly in the danger of this great wrath and infinite misery. Do you see... When you were without Jesus, or if you are without Jesus, this is what it means to be dead in sins and trespasses. That's what it means. It's confronting, right? But in Jesus, God has poured his favor on us to save us. To save us from, from that picture we read up on the screen. And if we understand what we've been saved from, if we get that, if we understand that enough, if, if we realize what we've been spared, then what do we do? We praise God. We thank him. We live for him. And if we glance our eyes back to Ephesians chapter 1 that Lisa read for us before, we read this, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 up on the screen. It says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? For he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So do you see, we have every spiritual reason to praise God daily, hourly, for his favor to us in Jesus. And if we read the rest of Ephesians chapter 1 like Lisa did before, we would hear all the reasons there is to praise God, all that he's done for us in Jesus. So my first reflection and question is this. Do we realize just how much in Jesus God has poured his favor upon us? Do we? Do, do we realize? And do we rightly praise him? Which leads to my second reflection, and this is where we started. How are you going at praising God? How, how are you personally going? At praising your God. Uh, I'm very reluctant to say this, and I might not say this uh, ever again, but uh, we need to get a bit more American. Uh, you know how the Americans, you know, love to say, no, praise God. Like, they just do it all the time, right? Uh, we don't do that very much in Australia. Uh, again, I don't think I'll say, let's get more American, too much more than that. But, but we don't say it enough to each other. Simple, praise God. Why don't we say that? Why, why are we so embarrassed? This is God. Why don't we do it? We don't with enough enthusiasm when, when we share something good that God's done in that moment, just saying about God, how great is God? I got this new job. Praise God. I, 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 was, I had a horrible week, but this week's been great. Praise God. How good is God? We don't do that enough. We need to get a bit more American. 
Or perhaps more African. You know, our brothers and sisters in Africa, they like to say, hallelujah, maybe we need to do that more. This God is worthy to be praised. And I'm not saying we need to be fake. Don't put it on. We need to be genuine. But if we were to spend more time in the Psalms, which we will do this year, that's part of our plan as we uh, do our Bible readings this year. But if we were to spend more time in the Psalms, we would see how often the psalmists praise God. Praise God for who he is. Praise God for what he's done. And if we know that from the Psalms, and we're New Testament believers, how much more reasons have we got to praise God because of what he's done for us in Jesus? So many reasons. So just to, to, to throw out a few suggestions to help us as we finish up, uh, and take them or leave them, but uh, instead of um, you know, having Tay-Tay or Coldplay or MJ or ABBA or The Stones, depending on which era you were born in, I don't know, or what your music like is, instead of listening to the secular music of our time all the time whenever we listen to music, why not during the week listen to Christian songs? Why, why not do that? So instead of you know, singing Shake It Off or whatever it is you know, during your week, you're actually singing praises to God that are on your lips because you're listening to Christian music. Why not change the music you listen to a little bit? Uh, and if you look at the bottom of our e-news, we, we send out what our church playlist is. So you might want to listen to that as a starting point. Why not? And why not try and acknowledge God to God more often? So when you pray, or even just through the day, just, just simply praise God. Just simply thank Him. Just say, God, how great it is that you've given me this day. Thank you, God, for another day. Uh, we should get our cue from the birds in the morning. What do the birds do the first thing when they wake up? They sing. They praise. The creation praises the creator. Every morning the birds wake up and they sing and they praise. We should do the same every morning. Thanking God for the day he's given us. Thanking God for life and breath and everything else. And especially Jesus, his son. And again, when someone tells you of something good, try saying praise God. And when life is hard, praise God because you know that eternal life awaits. So you can still praise him because he's saved you eternally. And marvel verbally about God to other people, especially to the non-Christian. That brings praise to God. When you proclaim God's truth to the non-believer, like the psalm tells us to, that brings praise to God. And the reverse, to, to actually be silent before the non-believer, that, that's to rob God of praise. That's to rob God of his due honor. And again, I could go on and on. There's so many ways we can praise God. Uh, there's an eternity worth of reasons to praise God. Uh, but let me finish with this old hymn by Joseph Addison. He puts it well, I think. It's up on the screen. He says this in his hymn. He says, Through all eternity to thee, to you, God, a joyful song I'll raise, which is what we'll do, but for, O oh, eternity is too short to utter all thy praise. You see, we have so many reasons to praise God. We exist to praise God. And we're right to praise God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Well, the band's going to make their way up and lead us in our next song. So as they do, you might like to stand. And let's praise our God in song.